I got lost in the excitement. I didn't, didn't know when I was supposed to come up. It's so good to see you here. We have folks in the prayer room already praying, and God is already touching their life. Would you praise God with a clap offer? It's so good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. This morning we have with us a young man that's been gone for almost a year, Colin Smith. Colin, would you stand up? He's been in Africa ministering. It is so good to see you today. He'll be telling us about his trip and about what God has done to see that's been planted and some great things that's going on there. The choir is going to be singing again, and so we're excited about that. I appreciate Brother Matt Fisher that, and all of them that has worked so very hard to make this day a success. God is here through his spirit. Jesus Christ is alive and is alive forevermore. Can you say amen? amen? I want everyone to have an outline of the sermon this morning. Would you please? Uh, Brother Steve will make sure you have one if you lift your hand. And uh, we remember a whole lot more of what we read rather as well as what we hear. The title of the sermon today is Then Came Sunday. Then Came Sunday. Each spring millions of people around the world acknowledge in some fashion or another that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Today, today, here at Bethel, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Today, here at Bethel, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, would you praise God? We clap here a little bit once in a while. It's fascinating when engineers strategically place When engineers strategically place explosives and then set them off so that they cause an old skyscraper or whatever to fall. And uh, most of us, maybe YouTube or somewhere else, have seen pictures of those tall, large buildings fall right down to the ground. Well, that's the way that Christianity is. You only have to set an explosive place to one place. And that is the resurrection. You take away the resurrection and everything comes crumbling down. If you'll notice Roman numeral number one on your paper, uh, I have been saying this, reading this, preaching this for nine years. I'm talking about the top part. And the reason is because I can't improve on this particular part. Notice as we go through this, the resurrection, it is a fact. And I'll deal with that more with uh, number three. Number two, it is the foundation of Christianity. Paul knew this. The apostle Paul had to speak to this one thing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 14 through 19. If Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. Amen? And your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. This is the new, certainly, living translation. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. 
But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. He goes on to say, and if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. Such a sad commentary. To think that our faith is no good and think that our sins certainly have not been forgiven us. In that case, Paul says, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope is in Christ is only for this life, we are among all men most miserable. But, but, verse 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but now Christ is risen from the dead. Amen? And we know that for a fact. And has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep who died. So he has risen from the dead. Notice thirdly, it is the capstone of the gospel. The resurrection is a singular doctrine that elevates Christianity above all other religions and world views. The resurrection gave validity to the life and words of Jesus Christ. We know, we know that what Christ taught, what Christ taught was real. And what he said was truth because the resurrection validated it. Amen? Number five, dealt, the resurrection did, a crushing blow to Satan's kingdom. Someone said, in Christ, our final defeat of Satan is assured. You and my victory certainly is assured. Number six, the resurrection is a badge of authority for the Christian faith. In other words, you and I are able because of the resurrection to live a victorious life over sin. Does that mean we don't sin? No. It means that sin does not control us and we're no longer a slave to sin. What a powerful truth. And then it provides mankind with a living hope. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay with me. Who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't know in my lifetime when I have seen so many people that are living a hopeless life. They have no hope. And they find out that they try to solve all the problems and drown that hopelessness through alcohol and drugs, through all kind of immorality. And yet they still find there is no hope. There is nothing in this world that will give you and I and give mankind hope like Jesus Christ. Notice, if you will, there were at least five different powers that would confine Jesus to the tomb. Man tried to keep him in the tomb. The soldiers tried to keep him in the tomb. Notice with me the cold hand of death that gripped him fear, uh, firmly. You know, there's a, there's a doctrine 
There is a theory that Jesus, when he was crucified, did not die. He swooned away. And they took him and laid him in the tomb, and he just got up and went out. He was tortured and beat and marred like no other man. He died. He was dead. The linen graves, not only did death with its cold hand grip Jesus Christ, but the linen grave clothes were wound tightly about his body. Study that and understand he could not have moved and gotten out of those grave clothes. <clears throat> Number three, a great stone was rolled before the entrance of the tomb to prevent an entrance and an exit. There was no way that Jesus could have gotten out of that grave. Even if he had not died, even if he had swooned away, he could not have gotten out of that tomb. Not only was a stone rolled before the entrance, but also the official seal of the Roman government sealed that stone and that entrance. Can't do it. Not only that, but Roman guards were posted near the tomb to make certain that no one came to retrieve Christ's body. The, the disciples, they never would have anyway. They were too afraid. No one took him out. He rose on his own power. For an angel came, as you saw the play, how that the angel came and rolled the stone away. And there, my friend, Jesus Christ came out. He came rose from the dead. He looked over, no doubt, on his left and saw Michael, the archangel, and said, Hello, Michael. He looked over on his right and saw Gabriel, the archangel. He said, Good morning, Gabriel. How you doing? It's good to see you. And he rose and he went back to the Father. You see, Brother Don, you believe that happened? I don't know. I just like to think it did. But he, we know he did rise from the dead. Now, look at number three. I love this. Proof of the resurrection. Number one, historically. The whole world-renowned historian, or the world-renowned historian professor Thomas Arnold Rugby once said that Christ's resurrection from the dead is the best attested fact in human history. Josh McDowell, great writer, he was in college and he set out to prove one thing. Josh McDowell set out to prove one thing. That Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. He worked tirelessly. Week after week, month after month, year after year. That he tried to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was a hoax, he said, not a fact. Today, G, today, Josh McDowell is a believer in Christ because he could prove no other. And anyone I have read time and time again, those that tried to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how that they turned out themselves to come become a staunch believer in him. Historically, and then the empty tomb. I've seen that. Brother Larry, let me see your hand. Where's Larry? You've seen it. You've seen that empty tomb. The empty tomb is proof 
that he is no longer there. The appearance of Jesus Christ. Did you know there were 12, 12 appearances of Christ following his resurrection? At one time, he appeared to 500 people. Not only his appearance, but transformed lives. Lives that were transformed. I could take the rest of this time and tonight and tomorrow and a lot of time to tell you people that have been changed because of relationship with Jesus Christ. Teen Challenge is one of the greatest uh, recovery ministries in the world. And I saw by what they do by emphasizing a Christian recovery for addiction, Teen Challenge has achieved, listen to these statistics, a 60 to 70% success rate compared with a 3 to 10% success rate at comparable but secular programs. In a medical survey of Teen Challenge, graduates from the Brooklyn program of, that, of those that graduated, 67% of those graduates were still sober seven years later. It's a good place to clap. It's a fact. You can't argue with it. And to see the many lives that were changed through and by a particular relationship with Jesus Christ. My brother, which I miss so much today, singing in the choir. He just recently died about a year ago, and I miss him more than anything. But Junius was an alcoholic most of his life, and he tried, and he tried everything he could to live a sober life. But he got worse and worse. The addiction took him down. And he sunk lower and lower. He had to get up in the morning and get alcohol to drink it so he could even get through the day. He could barely get it to his mouth. He lost everything. He lost his family almost. Some are here today. But Junius, one day, about 14 years ago, walked through those doors and this alcoholic, broken, hopeless man came to this altar and knelt right here, wept his way through, through a relationship with God, surrendered his, his life to Christ. And Jesus Christ, which is alive today, I'm telling you, he's here today. You can't see him. You say, Brother Don, I don't see Jesus. He's here. He's alive today. Jesus Christ touched his life. He stood up, walked around, hugging necks, joyful. God totally and wonderfully set him free. And he never touched another drop, and he became a great warrior for the Lord. Aren't you glad that God changed his lives? Over and over and over again, one of the greatest conversions was Mary Magdalene. You should study that particular uh, woman, Mary Magdalene. She was possessed of seven devils, the Bible says, and yet Jesus touched her life, delivered her, and set her free. And from there on, 
She served the Lord. She ministered to Jesus. No, she was not in a loving relationship with him. She loved him and he loved her. She was the first one that saw Jesus after his resurrection. She was the first one after being delivered to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, people's lives are being changed over and over and over again. Transform lives. And then listen at this. Number five, the success of the church. How has Christianity grown like it's grown and become the greatest Religion in the world. How did it? Just a few disciples. Just a handful of people. But they turned their world upside down for Christ. And through and by that, it's become, as I said, the greatest religion in the world. God changing lives. He'll change your life today. Sister Judy, would you come and play for me, if you will? I, I think about Easter and I think about the risen Savior and I think about us as we come to honor him and how wonderful it is to have a wonderful Easter service. I think about the singing, the music, the joy. Probably there's not a person here today that during the choir or during something during that service that you haven't rejoiced in your heart because of something, because you're alive at least for one thing. But then I think about what has it done for me? What has it personally done for you? You know, this, this, this great occasion that they on Thursday, on Friday, crucified Jesus. Dark Friday. They laid him in the tomb. And how about Saturday? Nothing's happening. Nothing is happening. And I, I picked this up of of uh, Carmen. Many of you remember Carmen many years ago. Carmen has just recently gone through a tremendous battle with cancer. Let me tell you, he is cancer free and he's married and doing well. Praise God. <laughs> Sunday's on the way. The demons were planning on having a party one night. They had beer, Jack Daniels, and pretzels, and was red wine and some white. They were celebrating how they crucified Christ on that tree. But Satan, the snake himself, wasn't so at ease. Well, he took his crooked finger and he dialed the phone by his bed to call an old faithful to see if he was dead. Hey, grave, what's going on? Did my plan fail? Grave just laughed and said, the dude's dead as nails. You can laugh, it's funny. I like this. The course goes this way. On Friday night, they crucified the Lord at Calvary. But he said, don't dread three days later, I'll live again. This is what Jesus said, you'll see. When problems try to bury you, make it hard to pray. It may seem like Friday night, but Sunday's on the way. A tranquilizer, a horror flick, couldn't calm Satan's fears. So Saturday night, he calls up the grave, scared of what he'd hear. Hey, grave, what's going on? Grave said, man, you didn't call me twice. And I'll tell you one more again. 
bossed the Jews on ice. Satan said, man, grave, you remember when old Lazarus was in his grave. Everything was cool. Then four days later, boom, old Lazarus, he was raised. Now this Jesus, he is much more trouble than anyone has ever been to me. And this man said he'd only going to be dead three. On Friday night, they crucified the Lord. At Calvary. But he said don't dread. Three days later I'll live again you'll see. When problems try to bury you. Think about it. When problems try to bury you. Make it hard to pray. It may seem like Friday night. But Sunday's on the way. And then the last verse. Sunday morning Satan woke with the jump. Ready to blow a fuse. He was shaken from the tip of his pointed ears to the toes of his pointed shoes. Hey, Grave, is he alive? I don't want to lose my neck. Grave said, Satan, you're a wreck. Cool your jets, Big D. My sting is still intact. Jesus is dead forevermore, and he ain't coming back. So mellow out. Just go drink up or shoot up. Just leave old grave alone and I'll catch you late. Late. Oh no. Oh no. Somebody's messing with the stone. Well, the stone was rolled away and it bounced a time or two and an angel stepped inside and said, I'm Gabriel. Who are you? If you're wondering where the Lord is at this very hour, I'll tell you, He's alive and well with resurrection power. Would you praise God for that? Amen. One of the things I noticed about, about the scripture, and you can find this in the Gospels. I have it in Matthew. I just didn't choose to read it, but it's so, such great reading about the resurrected Lord, on this great Sunday morning. And I think about how it was, it was dark, Saturday, Friday. It was dark, hopeless. And then all of a sudden, the light shone forth. The stone was rolled away. And Jesus presented himself to a world and gave it hope again. Aren't you glad for that? It says here, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Then in John chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend, or the darkness did not overcome it. It's wonderful to know the love of Jesus it's wonderful to know the light of Jesus, and it's certainly wonderful to know the life of Jesus. And he is here to give you either one. If you're living in darkness, if your life is a mess and you're like perhaps others, that you're hopeless, I want you to know that he gives you hope. I want you to know that he's alive to do something for you today, to change your life from that way that you're living. And if you want to change, if you want to make a difference in your life, no, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, for the great privilege that we have to 
come to you today. Thank you that uh, you present unto us this wonderful, wonderful light. You present unto us this wonderful, wonderful love that you showed at Calvary and gave yourself through your son, Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful that you came that we might have life and have that life more abundantly. Search our hearts here today. Reveal yourself, dear God, to each and every individual. Lord, after this service, we're going to go with friends and loved ones and enjoy today. But right now, at this moment, we want to stop and pray. And we pray, dear God, that you might visit each one through your spirit and your power. May we know today that you are alive, not just because someone preached it, taught it, said it, sung it, because we want to know that you live in us. Should there be one person here today that is wayward, that perhaps is on their way to an eternity separated from you, help them, dear God, to say yes. Reveal yourself to them in a very special way. In Jesus' name we pray. My head's about, my eyes are closed. No one looking around. Just take just a moment of time. You'd like to say, Pastor, I've heard the songs. I've heard the message. I've heard the prayers. But I must confess to you today, I don't know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. In fact, I don't even understand it. Listen. I've been serving God all my life practically, and I still don't understand it all. You don't have to understand it all, but you have to understand this one thing, that Jesus Christ came as the Savior of this world. He went to the cross and died. And what's been acted out here today, sung about here today, is just as real as anything in the world. Listen. He gave his life. Then he said when he came back, that he gave light. He gave life. And he said that life is abundant life. And all you've got to do is accept him as your personal savior. 